Welcome to Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood, a podcast about that time of life that tends to take us all by surprise. I'm your host, Karen O'Connor. Let's get right into it. So today I'm here with Carrie Robertson. She's a certified wellness practitioner, health coach, fitness nutrition specialist, and the host of the Anti-Kale Health Coach podcast. She's also, I have to say, there's got six children to look after as well as doing all this. So I'm just like all hail and bow down to Kerry because anybody that can handle six children has got my utmost admiration, I've got to say. So I didn't know this, but I'm just reading off what you said in the information thing that I send out. So you've actually got a degree in exercise science and you started as a fitness instructor, but you don't enjoy formal exercise. So if you don't enjoy formal exercise, what do you do? Welcome. That's really funny because, oh, thank you. Hi, Karen. (laughs) Nice to see you again. It's really funny that you brought that up because just a few hours ago, I recorded my podcast for this week about my journey through like physical wellness and exercise and how much I don't hate or how much I don't like it. And that I actually really love dance. And I've just always naturally been a dancer my entire life. Never formally trained or took classes or anything, but that's my exercise. Isn't that interesting? So what actually Mm. got you interested in that to start with? And and, because you've had a really varied career as well. So I've got to give everybody that's listening a little bit of background. This is the third time Kerry and I have spoken. So we kind of continuing (laughs) conversations and I'm just trying to be aware of, okay, what haven't we spoken about before? But this, so how did you end up? Because you've had so many differences in your career and what you're doing. Although it's been within the health and wellness and fitness kind of arenas, you've done a lot of things, haven't you? I have, yeah. I've gotten a little a little taste of several things, so it's been fun. <laughs> so you started off as a fitness instructor. Mm-hmm. And then it's yep. a, you, you say here, your past is full of obesity and generally unhealthy life choices. That were, were your own choices? Oh, yes. Yes. Drugs, alcohol, smoking. Yeah. Wow. So you yeah. studied health and fitness, exercise <laughs> science, and then you went on to just do the complete polar opposite. Or was nope. it the other way around? The other, the way, other way around. around. Yep. I got the partying out of the way first and then I was like all right time to clean up my act (laughs) so what was that point what made you go okay it's time to clean it all up now all right enough's enough you know there really wasn't like a pivotal moment where I the lights all shined down and was like Carrie this is it it was more little things that happened almost being evicted because I couldn't pay my rent or having my kids come home and saying, mom, it's drug week at school and you smoke. So you do drugs. And it was, was, I know, I see the face you're making. (laughs) That's heartbreaking. That would have been heartbreaking. Yeah. 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 It was, it was just little things like that. And as I started to make the small changes, I think everything just kind of came together and the degree wasn't my first choice I kind of settled for it but I'm glad I did (laughs) so where has it led you so what were you doing before that what did you like so what what Mm -hmm. age were you when you started 
that because I get that because we were talking about this with regards to midlife when I was talking to you on your podcast and there wasn't one pivotal moment there was just like this series of things going yeah I'm really not happy this isn't actually working until you get to the point where you just go right I've just got to slowly start doing things but it's not like a big haha it's not I would say I really started cleaning up my act right before I turned 30 and then I kind of took my 30s and got it together. I went back to school. I, s- I slowly started to, you know, give up some of the the less than stellar habits. And by the time I graduated college, I said, I'm going to be done and I'm going to walk the talk. And that was my goal. So I gave myself till I graduated and I took every last minute and, <laughs> and stretched it out. But I got it done. So yeah. what's the difference it's also, it's easy for people to say, oh, you know, you're going to feel better if you eat better and you don't drink and you don't smoke and everything. But you've actually experienced, I haven't, I've never really, I've always been fit and I've always been fairly healthy. And that's just the way I've been. I've been fortunate enough that I don't like sweet things. And I, I like, I like salads. There's a few people that actually really have enjoyed a salad their whole life. So I'm very fortunate and I can't relate to being or uh, doing that choice where you eat the sugar, sugary, high carb, mm. high fat, um, processed foods because it's just not what I like. So, what got you into that? Why? I'm asking you to explain the psychology behind crap eating, I suppose, is what <laughs> I'm doing here. <laughs> That's okay. I'm unique in that. I very much enjoy salad and vegetables. I always have a big tray of raw veggies just for snacking. Always have, even when I was super big. But I also enjoy sweets and French fries and all the things that we're not supposed to eat. So it was finding the balance. I just wanted to throw that out there. But for me, it's, I found for myself and then also for my clients that typically when we're not eating what we're supposed to be eating and we're not moving our body with intention and purpose, there is a reason for it. And for me, it was things like childhood abuse. It was poverty. It was running around with the wrong friends for certain. They definitely were not the best influences. You know, having kids at an early age and then trying to play house and figure out how to be an adult and still take care of an infant. It it was a lot of reasons why, and not excuses, because I don't like that word, but reasons why I would grab the most convenient thing. We ate McDonald's on the way home or, oh God, <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't believe I ever ate that, but we ate McDonald's. We ate things out of a box. We We did whatever was easy and was cheap. So for me, when I work with my clients, it's getting to the root of why are we not eating salads and why are we not moving our body? It's not so much let's get you to do it. It's let's figure out why you're not doing it and work on that first. And maybe that maybe that's not 100% the right way to do it, but that's what worked for me and I can relate to that. So that's that's where I go. Oh, I, I don't know. I've spoken to a couple of other people around a similar topic and interestingly enough, they do the same thing. It's working on why you're doing it because you can do all the diets you want, but if you don't fix the root cause, it, you're going to go back to eating the way you do, not moving properly or whatever. So 
in terms of when you work with people, what are the kinds of reasons that they have for this? What What is it that's uncovered? And just how painful is the process of doing that? Because a lot of people mm. wouldn't do it. They don't want to look at their, their, the hideous skeletons in the cupboard because mm. they think that it's going to be painful. And having done a lot of personal development for me, yeah, it's painful, but that's also over fairly quickly. There's a pain yeah. and then it's gone. And it feels a lot better afterwards. Yeah. You're going to have to rip off the Band-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> so you're absolutely right. I don't have tons of people that are jumping at the opportunity to deal with their skeletons. Most people are like, I want to lose weight. What's the quick fix? Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And that, that doesn't work. But the people who truly, sincerely do want to be happy and feel confident enough to walk into a grocery store and know what to buy. They want to walk into a gym and know what equipment to use and how to use it or how to move their bodies at home even. Those are the people who are like, okay, yep, I'm here. Just let's do what we have to do. And there's a lot of tears, (laughs) a lot of tears. There's a lot of, I'm not there to make friends. And so I make them angry at me often. I ask them why a lot and people don't want to to keep hearing that same question over and over again, but that's really how you get to the root of it. You just keep asking why until you're like, okay, bingo, that's it. So for instance, I have a client that I saw this morning and we work a lot on her language because her thing is she always says she wants to feel better. Well, what does better mean? And why do you want to feel better? And so it's me asking why, what does that mean? Explain it more. And then she gets upset with me because that's the hard work because then she has to actually look inside herself and say, what does this mean? What does better mean? What does my life look like when it's better? Yeah. I make them mad. I mean, really, that's the answer to that. I make my clients mad. But, you know, once that light bulb goes off, then they're like, oh, okay, now I can see why you're being such a a wench. (laughs) So when you see, I'm going to, this is a really loaded question, right? Okay. Hit me. (laughs) When you see somebody, there's all this whole movement about fat shaming. Don't Mm. fat shame me. But to me, I see somebody who's overweight and I immediately go, what's wrong? What's missing? Do you do the same thing or is there more of an understanding having been there? Because I've got no experience of it, so I'm quite judgmental about the whole thing, I've got to say. Mm. Not very nice trait. I think it's human to look at someone who's different than us and go, oh, what? It's just our, our human reaction. But I do... I do kind of like, this is going to sound very woo-woo, but I'm very in tune with my intuition. And sometimes I can look at a person and just kind of get a very vivid picture of what their life is like. And when I see somebody who's very quite unhealthy and it's pretty obvious, I can kind of take in the whole picture and say, oh, okay, well, she's got three kids in this rundown minivan that's falling apart in the parking lot. Her husband is not helping at all. He's over there smoking a cigarette and she's 
not brushed her hair in three days. And I can kind of take all that in and say, okay, she doesn't have a good support system. They probably don't have a whole lot of money. She's got kids who are demanding her time and her energy and who's taking care of her. And I keep saying her because I mostly work with women, but it's amazing that in five seconds I can take all that in and say, okay, what, what is the small thing that we could work on? And am I going to get her to stop going to McDonald's to feed her kids? Probably not. Not the first time over time, maybe, but maybe we can reduce the amount of soda she's drinking. Maybe we can cut it down to one or two a day. The people that come to you, what is it that draws them to you and what do they see they can get out of it? Because you really could just go down the gym, just make yourself just go to the veggie shop, join the gym and make yourself go five or six times a week and you'd be fine. But we're not able to do that. Generally, I don't like going to the gym by myself. Mm -hmm. I'd be insane. But (laughs) what would draw people to somebody like you? What makes them ask you for help? I think it's my my vulnerability and my willingness to tell my story right. because then they can relate to it. They they don't put me up on the pedestal of the Instagrammers who are out on the beach in their bikinis and saying, you can look like this in three weeks if you follow my program. Yeah. They're seeing me who's who's got a, a boatload of kids and a real life and real stories and I can relate to what it feels like to be in their position. So I think, honestly, that's that's what attracts people to me. And I don't get a whole lot of the, the moms who want to lose like the last seven pounds that they're not my people. <laughs> I, I get the, I get the projects, which is fun. So yeah. a long-term project. Yeah. Yes. It's really interesting though, isn't it? Because obviously people see something in you that they and we quite often latch on to somebody that we know they can help us even if we don't know how it's going to look and we'll just kind of maybe wander about and meander in their shadow for a while do you get a lot of people following you and then because you're quite active on Facebook are you have you got a lot of things going Yeah. yeah I have a group a private Facebook group I have the podcast I've got my personal page, my business page. <laughs> I'm also a wedding officiant, so I've got that going on. <laughs> I that bit. We need to talk about that too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I am a pretty active on Facebook. And the the group, I think, is kind of where a lot of my clients come from because the group I started for me, I didn't start it as a business venture or trying to do anything. I had gone through a really significant loss in my life and I needed a place to bring me joy, somewhere safe that was away from all the negativity of this year. And I said, okay, I'm going to start this group and it's actually called Live More Joy. And that's exactly what it's for. But as I started telling my story I'll get on I'll do lives in there and I start crying because I'm talking about my friend who passed away and they see I'm a real person so we're making those connections and building relationships in that group and I think Facebook is definitely where I'm finding most of my clients I'm sad to hear about your friend I didn't know about that yeah that's not nice 
But I think you're right. It's something I don't whether you saw the post that I put up in my group yesterday and it was something like I spent the weekend getting rid of all the perfect people in my life. Morning all you train wrecks. How are you? And and it's interesting that the same as you, I get people saying to me, You're exactly the same in person as you are on the internet. And that discrepancy I cannot abide I've followed so many people in my journey because I thought they were one thing and then when I've met them they turned out to be something completely different and to me that's totally out of integrity and and being overweight is out of integrity or not being fit is out of integrity for me personally it's not for everybody else but that's one way that works for me of looking at it if I'm not taking care of myself I'm not in integrity that's just what works for me so Complete career change. You decided to become a marriage celebrant as well. <laughs> yes, I've been doing that joy for. I'm sorry. Was that just to bring a bit of joy into your life? It actually started as a joke. Um, <laughs> so back before I even went back to school, I was working in a factory because that's what I did. I worked in factories and liquor stores and just whatever would pay the bills. And so I was working in this factory and this woman that I worked with was getting married for the second time. And she was like, remember that friends episode when Joey got ordained and did the wedding? And I said, yep. And she's like, you should do that for me. And I said, okay. And so I found a church online and I got ordained and then I went, oh, can I actually do this? And I, I contacted the courthouse where we live and they said, yes, yes, you can. And it just, it spiraled and I've been doing it for 11 years. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. (laughs) Every year I'm like, what's that? You're actually ordained by a church. Yes. And you did it online. I did. (laughs) I did. Mm -hmm. And you've been doing it for 11 years, you were saying. Sorry, There's a bit of a time lag here. I think that's the problem Uh, because we're so far apart from each other. There's like a one one second time lag. So we keep kind of talking over each other. So, yeah, not a lot I can do about that. But, yeah, 11 years. Mm -hmm. Yep. And every time I'm like, okay, that's enough. I, I want my weekends back. Then someone will contact me and I'm like, Okay, just one more. It's almost like potato chips. <laughs> but it's it's so much fun. I think I'm just going to do it until I can't do it anymore. So it's fun. That's amazing. So how many yeah. have you done? And what's your most remembered one, your most memorable? Or what's the one that went most wrong as well? So the most oh, memorable for good reasons, okay. the most memorable for not so good reasons. Okay. Most memorable would be my brother's wedding. Oh, I did not do a great job, but it was it was very special to me to be able to do that for him. He's my baby brother, so I'm the protective older sister, and I was like, my baby brother's getting married, <laughs> crying through the whole thing. Yeah. Um, the most wrong, <laughs> I've been very fortunate in 11 years that I think I've only had three that were like... Oof, I probably don't want to put those out in public. <laughs> but this one, the couple was very eclectic. I, th- I will use that word. And they wanted a hand fasting ceremony. They wanted a unity candle, a sand ceremony, a dove release. You name 
every ceremony and they wanted it included with theirs. It rained. The doves wouldn't release. (laughs) They forgot to bring the marriage license. I think the best man was wasted. (laughs) Everything that could go wrong went wrong. It was just a horrible, horrible mess. Yeah, that one definitely sticks out. (laughs) Still married, do you know? (laughs) I have no clue. No clue. Usually, a lot of my couples, I'm still friends with on Facebook, and I get to watch their families grow and get to watch them buy houses and all that. These people, I've never heard from them again. So I have no idea. In your group, just changing tech again, in your mm-hmm. Facebook group, that's a free group, isn't it, that anybody can join? Oh, yeah. Is it? Yep. Yep. Okay. And yeah. is that where most of your clients come from? Because you don't need to deal with people in person, do you? You work online with them as well. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think most of my clients do come from that group. And a lot of the group started with people that I know in my, my personal life, but it's grown a little bit. It's not a very big group, but it's we're a tight group very supportive. I would say most of my clients come from there for certain. There was a second part to that question. There was, and I can't remember what it is. (laughs) Why don't you like kale? What's wrong with kale? I like kale. Kale doesn't like my, my tummy doesn't like kale, but I personally like kale. Why don't you like kale? It tastes like grass. Well, yeah, yeah, but I like horses, though. (laughs) Yeah, kale is the only vegetable I've ever met that I don't like. And so it's really just the (laughs) anti-kale. I don't don't know. It just, I've tried to cook it. I've tried to bake it. I've I've tried it. I just cannot get on board with kale. Isn't that interesting? I actually like when you bake it in the oven and it goes crispy. You make the kale chips. I actually like that, but they do not agree with me at all not at all sad to say I like the taste but the anti-kale health coach there's a whole there's a whole kind of meaning that you attach to that because it's not about it's not like you were saying before the Instagram perfect body babes Mm -hmm. that's not it at all is it what you do it's kind of more messy than that and more real and down to earth yeah definitely and it's it's meant to be cheeky because I don't like kale and it's, I market myself as the rebel or the scrappy rebel, actually, <laughs> which is absolutely true. I still am. Rules were meant to be bent a little bit. But it is the, when you hear health coach, most people are like, oh, please don't talk to me because she's going to make me eat vegetables and do burpees and I don't want to do any of that. And when I am working with people, it's, It's not that I'm interested in forcing people to do things that they don't want to do. If you don't want to exercise, don't exercise. But let's find something you do like to do that moves your body a little bit. And so it's really trying to dispel those myths about health coaches because there's such an influx of, we'll say, health coaches through direct sale companies that, (laughs) you know, they sign a piece of paper and pay a fee and then boom, they're a health coach. Um, but, you know, with, with my background and my, my education and experience, a health coach 
should not be selling you shakes and <laughs> doing those things that I have your health in mind. It's, it's not just vegetables and exercise. Okay. That's it. I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> soapbox there. Like it's really interesting because where I was going to go with it, that what was coming up for me as you were talking is how do you, because most of the people who come to you, I'm assuming have a sugar addiction. How do you get them off that? Because that is such a difficult thing to do. Yeah. And that's that's something that I personally struggle with. And I kind of go on a roller coaster ride with sugar myself. And so I can understand the the addiction there. And I truly believe in weaning. I don't think that cold turkey works for lots of people, you know, just saying, okay, you're just done with sugar, clean out your kitchen and that's it. Because if you want something bad enough, you'll get in your car and you'll go down to the store and you'll get it and you're going to binge on it. So with my clients and myself, when, when I notice that maybe I've been hitting the sugar a little harder than I should be, it's really kind of backing off of it and weaning my way off of it. So it's finding alternatives. So instead of grabbing a handful of chocolates, maybe grabbing a handful of berries because then you're still getting that sugar fix, but it's just a healthier version. Tea, tea is huge (laughs) because I can get my fruity flavors through my tea. I don't have to eat candy or get ice cream or something. And, And I'm a huge fan of how can I still have the things that I want, but still reach my goals. So I'm, I'm a big fan of finding alternatives. I've recently gotten into playing around with keto baking and choosing very, very friendly sweeteners, not anything artificial, but things that don't raise your insulin and don't mess with your gut too much. So <laughs> that's been kind of fun. As, the, as we're coming to the holidays, I can still have a, a treat here and there and not feel like I'm missing out on everything. But yeah, it's, it's really just finding the alternatives. Because that's something a lot of people don't know is that the artificial sweeteners are probably worse for you oh, yeah. than actual sugar. And I don't think most people mm-hmm. are aware of that. They'll reach for the low-calorie Coke and yeah. they'll use the artificial sweeteners in their coffee. And I'm like, oh, my God. Please yeah. don't. Yes. Please do not put those things in your body. Oh, boy. <laughs> so what but kind things, of sweeteners are you talking about? So I've been using monk fruit. There's a sweetener out there called Boca Sweet, and it's made from the sugars in like dates and things like that. But they're zero calorie, and they don't affect your insulin release. So they're really friendly for low-carb eaters. And learning how they bake differently and how they sometimes like the chemistry behind them has been interesting to me. So there's been a lot more failures than successes with that. (laughs) Right now it's just a hobby. So we'll get there. Yeah. But I, I avoid things like sucralose because that's just, that's bad news bears. We don't want that. I'm allergic to aspartame. So I definitely don't use anything with aspartame. And I avoid things like, what's the one that puts you on the toilet? Malitol. That one's no good. (laughs) See, I remember watching a program. It was some 
it was an American reality TV thing, and they went back to first settlers in the West, and they were given the food that they would have had then. And mm. there was one woman who was who was she looked after herself very well, and she was having a meltdown because she had no makeup or lipstick or anything like that. But then after a few days, she started getting real withdrawal symptoms, and the commentary, the narrator was saying that they the average American eats seven pounds of sugar Mm -hmm. that's hidden in their food every week. Something ridiculous like that. And I'm like, what? Why is everything filled with sugar? Why has everything got sugar in it? And I think that's the other thing about we do get food, packaged food, ready-made food, because it's we don't have the time, we're time poor, Mm -hmm. and they're really cheap as well. It's much cheaper. So that double whammy of the time and the money makes us move away from getting meat and vegetables and fruits and preparing Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And I think there's been a lot of changes in science in the last 20 years as well. We all grew up thinking that fat was bad and Mm. low fat everything. Well, when you take the fat out of something, you still have to make it taste good. So then they put sugar in it and we all got addicted to sugar. And we didn't realize that's what was happening. And so a lot of my clients are older women, and it's not only trying to get them off the sugar, but trying to explain to them, you don't have to be afraid of fat, that trying to almost reverse what they've been taught their entire lives. (laughs) And it makes things very difficult, but you're absolutely right. Sugar is in everything. And it's so hard to to read labels and know exactly all the different names that sugar is listed as. I'm not sure what it's like in Australia, but here it's, man, if they can fool you into eating sugar, they're going to do it. There's, I think, 90 some different names of sugar, something like that. It's a ridiculous amount of names and there's no way anybody could ever memorize all of those tricky tricky business the sugar industry <laughs> it is, isn't it it's it's interesting yeah because it was like fat and salt you shouldn't eat fat and salt and eggs is the other one low mm. cholesterol and then all this sugar stuff came in and there's so many and, and but it goes back to that problem I was talking about it's the lower the poorer people the lower socioeconomic mm-hmm. people who are the worst hit by it Mm-hmm. That was what I was going to say. I don't know whether you heard, but it, about a month ago in Ireland, a court actually deemed that the Subway rolls cannot be called bread because they got too much sugar in them. That's beautiful. Yay. I know. <laughs> I know. You see all the adverts about these people who were eating Subway for three months and look how many kilos they lost. I wouldn't touch a Subway roll. Like, mm-hmm. It's just pure sugar. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Irish court said, which I was good. Really like. <laughs> that's wonderful. Good for them. Yeah, that'll never happen in America. <laughs> <laughs> you got a completely different. Uh, it, it's really interesting. Just going off topic slightly, I was reading somewhere about the Food and Drug Administration. The basic moral isn't the right word. The basic difference between the US and Europe and Australia is that over here we go, well, until it's proven innocent, we're going to assume Mm. it's guilty. 
whereas in the States, yeah. it's innocent until proven guilty. And I mm. think that ethos underpins everything through drugs, through food, but it whittles out from America to the rest of the world. We just all follow yeah. suit like little sheep. Yeah. It's interesting that you, you brought up the the food poor. I was just noticing again that in the city where I live, there's a very obvious food desert. And do you, are you familiar with food deserts? And Okay. So basically what that means is there's an area of our city where it's almost impossible to find healthy food. It's so far away from any grocery store that you, it's not really walkable. And in order to get there, you have to have transportation or be able to take public transportation. And if you don't have the funds to do that, you're stuck where you are and where do you get your food from then? Well, in those neighborhoods, there's gas stations that sell what what they call food, <laughs> processed food, like macaroni and cheese and baked beans and chips and dip and candy and those kinds of things. And outside those gas stations, they have these giant signs that say, food stamps accepted here. Because then the poor people can take their food stamps, go to the gas station and get the so-called food to feed their families because it's a block or two from their house. Whereas going to the grocery store would be an entire day's worth of traveling on the bus and trying to get groceries back. And if they can even afford to take the bus, it becomes this giant debacle just to go grocery shopping. And so we see a lot of that in in the cities here. And it's a very, very real problem. Because if we can't get to those neighborhoods and work our way out with proper nutrition and access to foods, we are we're never going to solve this problem of obesity and I'm going to have job security for the rest of my life. And I don't want that. (laughs) Why? I've never heard of food deserts before. How has it ended up being a thing? I can't even comprehend it. Yeah. It's really sad for me to see the town that I grew up in. It's becoming more and more obvious that that, particular neighborhood there's actually two of them there's one on the north side and one of the south side of town but those particular neighborhoods it's becoming very very obvious that the city is trying to squash them and almost run them out of the city because at some point they're not going to have a choice they're going to have to leave and go somewhere where they can have access to food and health care and things like that i don't i can't solve that on my own that's a huge undertaking, but that is definitely something that I want to do in this next 30 years of my career. So eventually I'm going to shift focus and start working on that somehow. I don't know how, but somehow. So you say that they're trying to squeeze them out and, and get them out of town. Is What's the purpose behind that? I think because... If you look at statistics, and I'm not saying I agree with this, but if you look at statistics, typically the higher crime rates are in the poor areas. And if you can get rid of the poor areas, then you don't have crime rates, right? Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> I know, right? I'm just like, yeah. oh my Lord. That is, yeah, it's I, very I mean, sad. Over here, 
Australia is so big. Unless you're in a city, you're a long way from anything. And so we lived in a country town in New South Wales, literally halfway between Sydney and Brisbane, about 600 kilometres, about 400 miles from the, the big cities. Now, the issue there is transport. You've got to get the food there. So the processed food is much cheaper, but there are still lots of places. All of the supermarkets still sell fresh fruit and vegetables. So you mm. can get it. And there still are. I can't imagine walking in a supermarket and not having fresh fruit and vegetables there. That's the first section as you walk into the supermarket mm-hmm. um, is the fruit and veg and bread. Right. But, you know, fruit right. and veg and the deli section. So it's it's almost encouraging people. And they have things like one of the supermarkets over here, they have tubs of fruit for school-aged children so the kids can go and just get a piece of fruit. As they oh. from walking around the supermarket, I love. We that. are not perfect by a long way, <laughs> not by a long way, but that's expected. You wouldn't, unless you went to a small mini mart in the middle of a city centre. That's what you'd expect over mm-hmm. here. Yeah, I would yeah. say. Having yeah. said that, there's the main road between Sydney and Melbourne. When you get down into Victoria, where Melbourne is. They've got all these signs, don't drive tired, make sure you eat, make sure you keep your energy up, and then you stop at the service station on these on the freeway. Oh, it's not a freeway, but a big highway thing. And they've got all these different food places in there, and the only thing I could eat was a smoothie. That was oh. it in the entire place. <laughs> it was like chips and rolls and pies and McDonald's and not mm. a healthy place in there. And I'm like, don't put up signs saying don't drive tired when all you're selling is sugar. Yeah. What a, what a great marketing tool. <laughs> it is actually. It is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was my little rant because I was really yeah. cross about that when I was driving down. Yeah. We have similar places around here too. They call them rest stops or oasises or something like that. And it's just one giant fast food building. (laughs) We've started getting a couple of fast food places that are actually healthy fast food places. So they only sell fresh, it'll be vegetables. And instead of having fries, it'll be uh, roasted broccoli or sweet potato. And it's actually really quite nice. So that's that's my stop when I'm traveling. I love that. Uh, so is there anything else you want to talk about, Kerry? So tell me, how can people connect with you on Facebook? So they can find me on Facebook. It's just my, my name. Or they can go to my business page, Live More with Kerry. They can find me on Instagram. I think when I talk about Instagram. Yeah, I'm making a face. Like, I'm not quite sure how to do the Instagram thing, but I'm on there. My website, livemorewithcarry.com. They can listen to my podcast, the Anti-Kale Health Coach Podcast. You can always send a message through there. Yeah, those are probably the best ways. And definitely join that group if you're interested. Oh, yeah. Because having met Kerry, and we've spoken quite a few times now, I'm like, yeah, you need to talk to Kerry. Yeah. And I'm in there every day. I'm in there every day. I do journaling prompts every day. So participation is always optional, obviously, but it's just a question of the day to get you thinking. I do live videos in there. We do challenges, weekly and monthly challenges. Yeah. 
it's it's a fun group. Very what supportive. What are the challenges like? Well, so at the beginning of the year, we did a sober month, so no alcohol. And in Wisconsin, that's a big deal. <laughs> it's in Australia pretty, too. Yeah. yeah, we're pretty well known for, for drinking here. We've done things like improve your sleep. We've done things like changing your language and writing down every negative thought you have and reframing that. We've even done things like screen reduction challenges. And even though we're a Facebook group, it's okay, time to shut it down and reduce your screen time. We've done financial things, trying to get out of the the diet and exercise frame of mind every once in a while. This month, at the beginning of the year, let me back up. At the beginning of the year, I don't do New Year's resolutions. And I chose, I always choose a word for myself. And this year I chose the word strong because after my friend passed away last year, I I was a mess. And this was the year that I wanted to become stronger in many different ways. And so this month I've challenged people to go back and remember what that word was. If they didn't remember it, quick pick a new one. And then each week I'm doing something where Last week, it was write a paragraph about what that word means to you. And then this week, it's um, adding on to that paragraph and writing a few sentences of what that looks like. So if it's something that you're still working on, because we still have a few weeks left in the year, writing things like, I am strong financially because I paid off this bill by the end of the year. So even if you haven't done it yet, writing it as though you have will help motivate you to get that done in the next however many days we have left. (laughs) Some challenges are much more lighthearted, but it's the end of the year. So it's time to wrap it up and get ready for next year. And it is all, everything stems from what you're thinking about, doesn't it? Our whole Mm -hmm. attitude to life, the way we look, the way we feel, everything. So the money and the lifestyle and the health and fitness, it's actually all tied in because it all comes from our mindset. And once we start changing that, everything else comes through. So I think it's great that you're doing that. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Thank you. You should join us too, Karen. I will. Good. I'll send you an invite. (laughs) Yeah, please do. Yes, I will. Um, So thank you so much, Kerry. I really appreciate it. It's been so cool having you on. Oh, this is fun. Yes. We'll have to do it again and talk about food deserts and, you know, the atrocity of. (laughs) My head is still reeling about that. I'm still, Mm -hmm. I can't quite grasp that whole idea that there would be a food desert where all there is available to eat within a day's walk is rubbish. If you have me on again and we talk about it, I'll have statistics and actual information for you. (laughs) We'll do that in March. So this podcast will be going out 22nd of December. So it's perfect that if you listen to this after the 22nd of December, this is helping you get into the new year and and really start taking stock because it's a perfect completion to the year and a start to the new year. Okay, have you been getting all those little signs that are going, this isn't how I want to live. It's not who I want to be. It's not how I want to look all those little signs adding up. So this is one of the things that I'm offering to people to try and help nudge them to Mm -hmm. take in the next step. So I can't clap, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) 
hand just won't do it. Thank you so much, Kerry. I really appreciate it. And have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you. And you I'll, too, Karen. And I'll talk to you again in the new year. Thank you. Wonderful. I can't wait. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood. Make sure you visit our website, middleagedwomenstuff.com, where you can subscribe to the show in any of the players or via RSS so you'll never miss a thing. If you liked this show, you might want to check out the webpage, which gives you lots more information about both our host and our guest, along with heaps of other resources. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday and Friday for the next episode. And that's all for this episode. We can't wait to see you next time.